Hello, it's me, Ben. Now, you're probably wondering, where have we been over the past few weeks? We didn't plan on not uploading episodes. We've just been extremely busy. So we're taking a little break at the moment so we can get our head together and we can work on improving the show when we bring it back to you on the 14th of June. So stay tuned. Add that date to your calendar. That'll be a Tuesday, our normal upload date. We'll be bringing you a brand new episode with a brand new format on the 14th of June. But for now, enjoy the 24-hour special, which we haven't yet brought to you. It's an hour-long special, so enjoy a little break, maybe split it up over the next couple of weeks so that you continue your Pixel Podcast fix until we're back on the 14th. With that, listen in, sit back and enjoy. Thank you for downloading this podcast from Abrupt Audio. You can find more episodes of this and many other podcasts at abruptaudio.com. Subscribe today to get the next episode automatically. Coming up on this week's Pixel Podcast... Apple invests $1 billion in Chinese Uber rival. Origami meat robot can refuse rubbish from your stomach. UK drivers may be able to store licenses on Apple wallets. And one of gaming's biggest companies announces a console. You're listening to the Pixel Podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Pixel Podcast live from the 24-hour game stream. I have my co-host here as always, of course, I'm Ben, and we have Martin. Martin, hello, how are you? Hello, Ben. I feel all right. You feel all right? Yeah. You feel confident? Yeah, you know, doing this live stream, I felt pretty confident earlier, so feel cool. great now. I also have my co-host for the 20 Pixel podcast, Lee, how are you? Hello, not too bad. Good. Good. Yeah. Okay. Short and sweet. To the short point short and sweet, but I will accept Make it. Make him work. <laughs> I'll definitely accept it. So we have a very special guest this week. Actually, one of the first guests we've ever had on Pixel Podcast. Yeah, that is true. Yes, the first guest we've ever had. Uh, so feel very special, and of course he is very special. Lewis, how are you doing? I'm okay, thanks. How are you? <laughs> Good. I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm doing okay. If you ask me in 10 hours' time, I'll have a different answer for you. But so at the moment, I'm doing well. I've got an energy drink and life is good. Uh, so there is um, a multitude of reasons why we uh, felt, me and myself and Martin felt that it was really important that we got you onto this podcast. Uh, the main reason is your pure, um, um, your just pure generosity in giving us um, 50 codes to give away um, across to everyone who donates on the BLF 24-hour stream and of course supporting cancer research as well. Um, and um, what really spoke to you in terms of um, wanting to get involved with uh, what we're doing, supporting us by giving us all those codes and, and sort of, yeah, why, why is sort of the cancer research charity really so important to you? Uh, well, last year, my mum was diagnosed with breast cancer and that was kind of a bit of a hard time. So I thought I'd come get involved because more of a personal okay, so thing. Okay, so it's a personal thing to you. I mean, we, we prefer it thoroughly you know um from our hearts appreciate um the 50 codes that you've given to us it's something that really spoke out to you and, and i really really um appreciate everything you've done um the game that uh, that you are um giving to everyone basically that donates because uh, everyone does donate uh, some money we'll get to this game at uh, three days um what really in- inspired you or do you, to, do you want to give us a little bit of an introduction to what uh, the game's all about three days is a survival that's well a time survival where you have three days to escape the island by making a boat. Okay, um, why, why are you stuck on this island, may I ask? Uh, you're stuck on it because... Have you ever heard of the SCP Foundation? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's all the backstory to do with that. So you've got this SCP, you're, you're trying to transport it from Alaska to America, or down the coast from that, and then something goes wrong, 
the submarine you're in, which has got the SCP, explodes. Okay, And yeah. you get trapped on, the, on an island in the middle of the ocean. Oh, wow. Okay, so um, that, that's, I think it's really, really awesome as well. I kind of adds to the fun dynamic of it. Um, but uh, you've been sending out, trying to get in contact with loads of people to um, get to play the game. I mean, I have not experienced that from a game developer kind of point of view. I've experienced it from getting emails constantly from developers being like, you know, um, this game's coming out, have a look at this, have a look at that. How was um, the experience of getting in touch with people to sort of um, play games? Because, I mean, I'm really interested in, in sort of that sort of aspect of it. Well, it's, re it's really hard to get people to come and play um, your game or whatever you make. It's, it is unbelievably hard. Like, I've had loads yeah. of people just um, say, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll um, play your game and then they'll never do it. But then I've, like, not contacted some people oh. and, like... Today, uh, PC Gamers did this random article, and I hadn't even contacted them. I was like, "What?" <laughs> that's oh wow! That's, yeah, that's amazing. I mean, we were talking about it earlier. To, to see it on the PC Gamer homepage uh, must have felt absolutely amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, this morning, my, my other friend who does, makes games and stuff, he was just uh, going through Facebook, and he saw it, and he was like, "You know, your games on PC Gamer." And I was like, "Okay." Oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> that yeah, kind of shocked I mean, me. Um, you know, they are they are definitely um, <laughs> one of the biggest um, games media sites out there so for it to be on there must have felt absolutely amazing any ideas of games that you're thinking of in the future just like any things you're thinking of doing me and my girlfriend are currently um, thinking of a game it's going to be based around Attila the Hun it's going to be a platformer we've just like we've just got draft ideas down that's it at the moment <laughs> oh wow that's absolutely amazing okay I, I really look forward to seeing that yes because you have created quite a few sort of I saw your portfolio there's quite a few being built up um, is this considered to be I'm guessing it is considered to be one of the most successful so far yeah, three days is. I did have another game, well, the first game I made, I put on this website called Dezura, Okay. and that that got quite viral. That got like over 127,000 views, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was, that was quite fun. awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, well, good luck with all those um, games that you're, you're thinking of working on, and good luck with what you've got already. Like I said, um, uh, anyone who donates will get a copy of that game, and it is really, really awesome. Definitely go and check it out. Search three days on the Steam store, and you'll be able to find it on there and check it out for further details. And with that... Let's dive in to this week's catch-up topics. What do you get when you cross a joke with a rhetorical question? Pixel Podcast. Okay, so the first week's topic this episode, um, I'd normally practice this a few more times, so anyway, we'll go with it, uh, is all to do with Apple investing $1 billion in Chinese Uber rival Diddy Chuxing. Apple has invested £683 million in Chinese ride-hailing app Diddy Chuxing. In an interview with Reuters, Apple CEO Tim Cook said the company was making the investment for a number of strategic reasons, including a chance to learn more about certain segments of the Chinese market. He continued, of course, we believe it will deliver a strong return for our capital over time as well. Forget that. The investment is for an unspecified stake of Diddy Chuxing, formerly known as Diddy Kuadi. Although the ride-hailing company did confirm the investment was the largest it ever received. According to the Financial Times, recent around $20 billion, that's £13.8 billion. Diddy Chuxing is by far the most popular ride-hailing app in China, holding 87.2% of the private ride-hailing market and completing 1.43 billion rides in 2015. It is also backed by Chinese internet and e-commerce giants Tencent and Alibaba. Uber, Diddy Chuxing's main rival, is not facing, sorry, not faring so well in China. In February, CEO 
CEO Travis Kalanick admitted his company was losing one billion every year in China due to stiff competition from Diddy Chuxing. A quote here says, We're a fierce competitor that's unprofitable in every city they exist in, but they're buying up market share. I wish the world wasn't that way. So, um, what do we think, Martin? I'll go to you straight up for what do you think of um, Apple investing in Diddy Chuxing? What do you think that they may be trying to achieve? Are they, are they trying to maybe improve Apple Maps um, in that area? Or do you think their ultimate goal is to have a rival um, to the hail, sort of the taxi sort of hailing? They're going to get out of it. We do know that they're going to be possibly working on a vehicle. Um, maybe it's something linked to that. Maybe they want to have their own Apple system built in. Martin, what do you think? That's actually what I was going to say. I was going to say, obviously, they're going to make their own car, as we, as we just discussed earlier in Pixel Podcast. Uh, that's what they're mostly leaning into. So I thought it would be they're going to have a map inside the car, which they'll um, use um, they claim stake with inside the car. And I wouldn't have thought it would have been on for Google Maps, as a lot of people have used Google Maps and sort of swear by it. And for me, it's sort of at that point where they can't really advance it until... Um, they develop more software for it, more than um, buying other rival companies. That's where I, I sort of lay on, it's going to go into their new car. Yeah, I kind of agree with you, Martin. Uh, I think it will go into the new car, if anything. Um, we'll go, actually, um, Lewis, what do, you, what do you feel about Apple investing in this uh, Chinese rival to Uber? Do you think that it's going to be a move, possibly, to uh, towards the Apple car, anything related to that? Or do you think that they're thinking about something else in the Chinese market? It's probably to, to, to the Apple car. Uh, yeah. Are you excited about the Apple Car? Do you feel that it's going to be something, um, something that's going to change the car industry? Well, I've literally just heard about it when you've just said, but well, it's not announced. It's heavily rumoured, oh, okay. and it's also um, there's rumours that that they've also um, been in talks with loads of different car manufacturers. It'd be like interesting. And, uh... It'd be interesting to know the price of it as well. Lee, do you have anything to <laughs> add to this? I can't let read. It's horrible. Um, well, I'm not too sure. I mean, I've, like I said, it's the first time I've news at all but i mean honestly i think apple just sort of realized that all the sort of things of uber and diddy chucks and that kind of stuff is sort of the the future with public transport i think because it's it's so well done and it so implements the technology i think apple would just go in there we could have a stake in that market yeah and just trying to take hold of it yeah no i i, I yeah I, I see what you're saying i do i do, do kind of get i think yeah i think it's more of if, if anything else a bit of forward thinking really okay perfect Right, so let's move on with the next topic. The past, the present and the future walked into a bar. It was tense. You're listening to the Pixel Podcast. Okay, our next topic today is all to do with origami meat robot that can rescue rubbish from your stomach. Now, I found this one extremely interesting that you can read all the articles that we talk about uh, on this episode of the podcast on Abrupt Audio's website when it goes live. So if you're watching live right now, it's not up there, but it will be when this whole episode goes live. So if you're listening on the iTunes store, hello and check it out on abruptaudio.com forward slash pixel. Okay, so an ingestible origami robot designed to patch wounds, deliver medicine or remove foreign objects from a person's stomach has been developed by researchers from MIT, the University of Sheffield and Tokyo Institute of Technology. The robot is swallowed in a capsule and unfolds once in the stomach as its container dissolves. Unlike its creator's previous ingestible robots, the new device is made largely of meat in the form of typical... Uh, of a type of dried pig intestine used in sausage casings. In a video demonstrating of the robot's capabilities, the team used moulded from uh, that of a pig and made of silhouette 
uh, sorry, silicon rubber with a mixture of water and lemon juice to simulate stomach acid. The right is sent down the oesophagus in a capsule made of ice and tasked with removing a button battery that's become embedded in the stomach wall. In the USA alone, 3,500 button batteries are ingested every year, according to research. While most pass harmlessly through the stomach, some leak, reacting with the stomach's acid and becoming embedded in the wall of the stomach. The demonstration shows that the robot can grab an embedded battery and lift it free, allowing the both robot and battery to then pass through the stomach and uh, excrete it normally. The robot is currently um, controlled using an external magnetic field, although MIT Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Laboratory... That's a, that's a name and a half. Director Daniela Roos said the team plans to add sensors and redesign the robot so that it's able to control itself without the need of an external magnetic field. Currently, which responds to uh, magnetic fields outside the body, uh, allowing it to be rotated in order to steer. The magnet also allows it to pick up the offending battery in the demonstration. So I'm going to go to Lee straight away on this one. Um, do you think that... Do you, do you trust robots like this and technology like this um, to be able to sort of ingest it and to, to do the job? Or are you a little bit sceptical? I, I, I don't know. I'm still trying to grasp my head around the subject. I mean, the fact that science has gone to this sort of point where we can make a little folding robot that could just... I don't know. I mean, so much is done by robots nowadays. I mean, honestly, there's, there's so much. And I, I don't think it's quite there yet. I am being sceptical. I still think that nothing can beat someone doing it for you mm. well, that's... but I, I reckon they will have do you, what do you not reckon i'm sorry but like you said um about um you're not sure that technology is there but you know robots still do surgery for us and you say you trust a human but like with humans we shake our hands naturally it's dead precision but then again i feel like with, with a human doing it it's sort of like you sort of like you sort of have the feeling behind it if you know you what i mean like connection maybe well, i wouldn't say connection <laughs> but as in like a <laughs> robot's are sort of like a robot's more on and off yeah if you know what i mean like, unless you tell it it's doing something wrong, it won't know. Because somebody will go, oh, hang on, I didn't do that quite right, I can go back and... I don't know. I mean, I, I just think it's mad that people are thinking, oh, okay, we'll make a little origami robot that can go in your stomach and pick up batteries. <laughs> but obviously, this uh, I feel like it, uh, it's a good step forward, because obviously this can save lives. And I, I do get where you're coming from, though. Oh, yeah, I'm not saying they, shouldn't, they should definitely do it. But I just think that I, I wouldn't necessarily trust it yet. Fair enough. I would not, I would rather someone cut me open and find it rather than <laughs> put a little origami bat origami thing down me but that's just my opinion i'm skeptical anyway so so um yeah i, I agree with what you're saying there's, there's gonna be a little bit of skepticism i think there will be skepticism until enough trials have been done a really good idea because um you know things that are so fine like this to be able to have something without having to go into an operation go through the trauma of it you know if it's something that tiny to be have um, a robot to be able to do it for you i think it's a good idea i mean you know you've already got a battery and you what's the worst case scenario really you know what i mean it's kind of you've already in that trouble already uh, Lewis, um, do, you, do you agree? Do you think it's a good idea? Do you think that um, do you trust the technology? I think it's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd say I trust that technology. Or, yeah. So if you like... were in that situation, you would uh, you'd go with it. Yeah, it's just different, isn't it? I don't know. I think I'm just curious to like how it would work, like mm. all of it, how it works, everything. And I just think it's amazing if like 
you had that happen to you kind of thing if you know what i mean yeah no i think it's really really awesome technology and to be able to control it from the outside using sort of magnets and things like that i think that's really really awesome i think we're we're only a matter i think of years away before it's like fully like radio controlled sort of you know do you know what i mean like a device like that i think that is uh so yeah no I, i'm really interested to see where it goes and i think if it benefits our health ultimately and the right tests have been done and it's proven to work and it saves i think you know it could save a lot of money on, on things like the nhs where they don't have to do a physical operation if it does become bad it's got to be hell, it's got to be a hell of a lot cheaper overall than um than spending money on operations and also some people don't want to be cut up as well like, exactly yeah i mean i i don't i hate i hate surgery hospitals everything like that so i feel like um, that can also escape as well um and also like you said uh, save so much money of getting a whole team together just to cut someone up just to take something out when we just put a robot in there monitor it done exactly yeah definitely agree okay so if you listen to the podcast, don't forget you can check that article out on the Abrupt Audio website, abruptaudio.com forward slash pixel. That's P-I-X-3-L. Our next article is all to do with Samsung and the new smartwatch they're imagining that projects a screen onto your hand. Yes, Samsung has applied for a patent for a smartwatch technology that would project virtual user interfaces into a wearer's hand or forearm. The patent also shows the same tech being used with head-mounted displays, like a VR or AR headset, which could project images onto surrounding surfaces, like a wall. Uh, sketches from the patent shows a smartwatch uh, projecting a dial pad, notifications, menu options, and even a writing surface onto the back of a person's hand and forearm. A wearer uh, is seen interfacing with these interfaces outside the smartwatch. While this is just a patent and there's no certainty that Samsung is developing the technology, it's cool to think we could soon be getting some more functionality out of smartwatches on tiny screens. And I think this is a really interesting point of view. If you could do that, I think that'd be really cool personally because I'm an Apple Watch owner and I think the, the big limitation is it. And sometimes when I mistype things or misdo things, and it can only get so big before it becomes unwearable. So it kind of has to be a certain size. But there are some things that just don't work well um, to a small screen. And, you know, Apple and, and Android have found ways around it by rather than be able to text a response to something, you have predefined answers or voice text, which does kind of work quite well. But if you have a decent like keyboard in your hand and you can quickly type a little message and send it, that would be absolutely awesome, I think. And uh, I think there's more uses, more exciting uses um, outside of that. But I'll see if, uh, if maybe Martin has some idea of what this could be used for and uh, maybe if it's more appealing to him. Well... It's, I'll, I'll be honest, it was one of those sort of technologies that I never thought actually exist. And, but then again, I should know, like, the room for expansion on your wrist is so limited. Like, something like this has to come. It actually reminded me of, you know, like Star Wars, the hologram. It sort of reminded me of that very, uh, of it just projecting onto your hand. So, at the moment, it would be like a 2D sort of image. And when does that, that's, that's my that sort would, of thought. Yeah, that would be super cool. Lee, what, what do you think? I know you don't own a smartwatch really either, but uh, would something like that interest you? See again, again. I'm just sort of, I just kind of don't see the point. <laughs> like again, I'm that okay, sort yeah. of level That's of skepticism. Where it's sort of like I just don't. I get the idea. It's like obviously, like you said, you can't. There's only so much room on a wrist. Yeah, exactly. But when you're gonna start getting to that point, it's like, I don't know. I just can't imagine someone just like typing on their watch, but they're typing on their hand. I just couldn't imagine it working very well. I mm. just, I could just never see them getting it right. I always think that's gonna be a technology that everyone wants. But never. But when they use. when they get it, it's like oh, oh we'll just just keep on typing five because it won't go through. You're just like you look like an idiot just doing that with your hand. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I can understand what you're saying, Lee. I can I can get what you're saying, but uh... unless it makes you do that to phone do a phone call, then I would absolutely pick it. Absolutely. I'd absolutely well, love it. I'd love that. to go to someone. Go what? <laughs> like, people listening. 
call me. Sign. Sign. Yeah. Call um, him. Maybe. Good old phone call you thing. That doesn't work on um, audio podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, I, I am a little bit. I do be fair. Like I'm normally the one that's least skeptical about things like this, but um, I am a little skeptical because um, how it would work and how accurate it would be. I mean, I've seen some keyboards that have been projection-based keyboards, and they've not been that amazing. Um, but I mean, it could be the fact that you know it's either use a small screen or you have this which might not be quite as good as typing on a screen but at least you've got the space i guess or i mean it could be cool for like just looking at pictures a little bit bigger like just if you wanted to expand something and watch it i, I can understand where it could go um I, I, in terms of features i really don't know in terms of what's been mentioned what you could really do with it um but do you know what i think would be really cool uh, is and more is more projecting on surfaces so for instance at the moment if i charge my apple watch at night um you turn it on the side and it comes then like a, a like a digital sort of alarm clock type display um, but if you had the project maybe onto the, the wall next to you, so then you've got that next to you, like the little alarm clock, so it does that. Or maybe like, um, oh, this would be, really, I don't see this ever happening. But say if you went somewhere, like you, you went away and, and you you, um, you just wanted to like watch something um, on your phone, but sometimes, you know, phone screens aren't great for watching something. Or maybe you could just use the up. phone, sorry, use the watch to project it onto a wall. So the watch almost looks like a, a device that goes with it. That could come at some point, but at this point, obviously that's not going to happen. I mean, we barely get enough battery in them to be able to do the simplest mm. of things but that would be quite cool i like how quickly that escalated there then <laughs> <laughs> that was nice really? it, it went from on your like wrist lee trying to call someone yeah. to projecting yeah films. why not why not i think that'd I think be really awesome a, I think you get a mini like, projector like that yeah yeah well there are mini projectors around Very true. So, i mean it's only a matter of time if they're projecting it onto your hand that they can probably project it further Our next topic is all to do with uh, UK driving licenses and how they might be upgraded for the 21st century. Yes, um, the UK's equivalent of the DMV is considering making digital driving licenses that could be stored on the Apple wallet. Uh, this is according to a Slash Gear report. Today, Oliver, driver and vehicle licensing agency, DVLA as we all know it, tweeted an image showing what the digital driver's licenses could look like, along with a caption, so here's a little prototype of something we've been working on, hashtag driving license. Uh, typically, the iPhone's virtual wallet is associated with Apple Pay, but it could also store multiple credit cards, membership cards, and tickets. In this case, the Apple wallet could store the driving license information on a person's phone. There is no timeline for when the digital license will go live in the UK. In another tweet, Morley clarified that DVLA is not doing away with the old credit card-sized licenses. The digitized version is simply an add-on. Uh, no words on whether we will see this anywhere else uh, in the world. The US um, is more the likely the place to look at because, you know, the UK and the US have sort of similar trends. Um, personally, I'll, I'll go off the bat. And um, I think probably I might be the only one in the podcast right now that might get the most any any use out of it. Because I know Martin and Lee, for instance, don't have an iOS device that they'd get many use out of it. Um, and I use Apple Pay and things like that all the time. So for me, uh, the fact that you're wrong with that, I think that's p particularly good. Um, and, um, you know, if, if you do then go out without your wallet, which happens, and with Apple Pay, it's even easier to forget it because you're like, oh, I don't need it. I've got my Apple Pay. I can pay whatever I'm doing today. And then you do go for a driver then, you know, and you do need your driving license. Maybe get pulled over for whatever reason. You've got it on you and it's there. And um, But what, the more interesting thing I'm, I'm going to feel is driving licenses, let's be honest, they aren't just used for driving. They're used for ID for many other things. Uh, do you think there's going to be a bit of an issue elsewhere then? Will, will other places like um, supermarkets and um, nightclubs and pubs and all these other places... Will they be accepting of this this quickly or will it take a bit longer or maybe never for them to accept it? That's the more interesting points. 
no, no, you go. <laughs> well, no, I was just going to say, I, I agree with you. I think it's it's a brilliant idea. I mean, just the idea of having everything you need in one device like on your phone, like your phone could do everything then at that point. I can't see some places, I, it probably would take a while, but I can't see them ever going, we accept this. Like you'd probably see signs saying we don't accept phones as ID or Yeah, whatever. I mean, you know, because it's, it's, it, they haven't got the time, they, they, like, they haven't got the time or the effort to check that you're not just showing them like a Photoshop screenshot on the phone. Mm. Like, there's, there's, no, there's no proof of that. But obviously, um, if it does get accepted, I mean, the police would go to that length because, you know, they're not stopping people all the, all the time. But, you know, when you're in a queue at a nightclub, they aren't going to bother to check that. And the, 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 the people in the pub when it's really busy can't be bothered and the people in the shop can't be either. So uh, it's easy for them to just say we don't accept it. Uh, they're not. So, uh, yeah, Martin, go on then. Um, I'm sorry, but you could see me shaking my head. Um, I don't want this to happen. On, on the pure basis of, um, with this uh, battle with the US government right now, with um, Apple trying trying not to give up any of their information to the government, um, I don't want the same to happen to the US government to give them um, information. Like, this would be probably classed as that, as well as... I would. I'd hate to think I'd lose my phone, and um, someone could then have my driving license on there. But then again, I guess it's the same for wallets. You lose your wallet, you lose your license. It's exactly. And actually, I would argue that um, your wallet doesn't have a passcode on it. And if you don't have a passcode on your phone and you have a wallet on it, I'm just going to say you're an idiot. I'm sorry, but um, <laughs> if a lot of the all, all the new iPhones at the moment, anyone you can buy brand new, they have Touch ID on them, so they have that form of in, um, encryption. And if you're using Touch ID, you should have you could have a really long password. You should probably have a really long password. So I think your device is pretty safe and more safe with your driving license on there than it is your wallet. Uh, and that's why I've been a big um, lover of Apple Pay because I think it is genuinely a lot secure than the other options are. Because um, if you you know if you lose your phone, you can through iCloud you can if you're that worried you can wipe it remotely so everything's off it you've got a passcode physical stealing that it is with your with your wallet and I think um, you know um, f um, information on devices iPhones and stuff stealing those have been less of an issue than I think they have been um, because of the lengths that people go to now to make sure that their devices are safe so I would argue that um, if you lost your phone with your driving license on you still have your physical driving license with you safe you've not really lost your driving license so it's just a digital version which you have control over. So yeah. I would say I would say actually that it's probably a lot safer. Yeah, I think it's more preference based at the end though. Like I much with everything like when it comes to IDs, cards and when it comes to stuff like movies and games, I prefer everything physical yeah. rather than digital because I sort of I don't know there's something I don't like, I don't feel safe and I know it probably is safer because that's the way everything is going now, but I'd rather have it physically because I know right this is the only copy, copy of it there is basically. Yeah. But again, yeah, I think it's preference. I think some people are just like me, you're just more stubborn than others. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm on the same boat as you, mate. Both that uh, a physical item, that is that only item of that. And if that goes, then you've lost that and that's it. Whereas digital items, there are multiple of them and you have more control over them. And ultimately, um, there's more security in place for those than there is for um, di uh, physical items that can easily be stolen um, without having too much thing. Um, tell us what you think, Lewis. Do you, are you agreeing with me? Are you agreeing with the guys? Am I going to be the odd one out? Uh, I don't feel that it should be like your main one. I think you should have your license, like your old license. Yeah, and of then maybe that as a backup because you know your phone could be like run out of charge and you forget to charge it, and then mm. you can't do anything. Yeah, so sure, no, I understand. You... But do you do you do you feel safe in the technology? Do you do you tr basically do you trust? Um, I think it's always really coming down to do you trust 
having things like um, you know, like your credit cards and like your um, driving license and things like that, do you trust them having them in digital form um, as a sort of person that only Personally, likes having no, I don't. I, I wouldn't. I, w- I wouldn't trust it at all. <laughs> I'd yeah. rather have it like a f- as a physical thing. That's like, fine. Yeah. Yeah. Looks like I'm the I'm the odd one out. But to be fair, I'm well out of us three anyway. I'm um, sort of the more te- techie person generally. Uh, so uh, so yeah, I suppose that kind of fits in with that quite well. Okay, so our final topic of this week's catch-up is all to do with Amazon's IRL button. Amazon quietly listed a customizable AWS IoT button uh, for sale on its site. Customizable versions of its Amazon Dash buttons. The Dash buttons take the company's one-click ordering quasi offline by letting you let by letting you let you order products such as pet food, toilet paper, or caffeinated beverages by pressing an internet-connected physical button. The idea is that you'll stick the little buttons wherever you store the product so that when you're running low, all you need to do is tap the button and bada-bing, your order is in progress. Amazon sells more than 100 different buttons today, but it's until now, there's been no way to create your own button. Amazon pitches the new AWS IoT buttons, which cost $20 and should be in stock by May 15th, as a way for developers to learn how to use the company's various cloud services, including its IoT, offering for powering Internet of Things devices. Uh, quite here says you can click the button to unlock or start your car, open your garage door from a service representative, track the use of a common household, sorry, track the use of common household chores, uh, med- medications or products, or remotely control your home appliances, the Amazon site boasts. Uh, The possibilities are many, and it's not clear how useful any of them actually are. Amazon doesn't indicate any plans to expand its platform to enable non-programmers to make their own buttons, or to allow companies to offer their own Dash buttons to sell to customers, although Amazon does plan to offer the buttons in bulk. But other companies are already thinking along the lines of the startup IFTTT, uh, um, short for If This Then That doesn't offer physical buttons, but the company already makes it possible for customers to create single-purpose icons on their phones that can be set to send the word running late to your spouse or company chat room. And of course, there's the um, preliminary mocked Yo, which lets you send the word Yo to a friend with a single click. Amazon's Dash button are another example of this radically simplified which Amazon is offering another glimpse for the potential push-button future of tech. Now, immediately I thought of an amazing use of this. And I think being able to give a tool like this to developers is amazing. Because developers will create something awesome with it. They'll create some fun and wacky things with it. But ultimately, there will be something that comes out which which will change everything. So I'm really pleased that Amazon is letting developers get in on this as well. And I do like the idea of having a button that does something. And um, I, I do really like the use. I was thinking more in the future so um, of being able to... If I was a parent, for instance, have it so that it's set up near the door so when my kid got home from school, they press the button and I would know that they've got home safe. So they wouldn't have to message me or text me. That would be really, really useful. Or I'm just thinking of another really good use. In um, in care homes, You often it's often like sometimes you have like warden control and if something happens, they have like a button on them that will like um, call for help and things like that. You'd have something similar here that if there is an issue, you could program that so maybe it calls that, but also then calls like your loved one as well to say that there's a problem. It's in uh, the care home industry. I think the, the possibilities are literally endless. And um, I, I think there's so much that can be done with it. I'm actually going to go to Lewis first as a sort of a developer uh, side of, of you. Um, do you think that this is a really good tool for, for people to get their hands on? I think I would like... Well, if it was me, I'd probably accidentally press the button like 30 times and order too much. 
<laughs> but, but to be able to develop whatever you want with that button to do anything that button could literally do whatever a programmer does do you think that's really uh, empowering yeah i think that's amazing really uh depends how it's used i guess what, what would you what would you possibly use it for what would you program it for if you could just off the top of your head to be fair i'd probably just do it um, i don't really know actually i'd probably have to sit down and think about <laughs> something like that it'd just be just we use it more. Could you, would you use it more of a constructive or maybe like a prank tool that like uh, the button does something in particular? That'd be quite funny, actually. Probably a prank be. tool. Prank, okay. <laughs> okay. All right, uh, Lee. Lee, um, would you use it as a prank tool? Would you use it seriously? Oh, what? I don't know. Again, like you said, the possibilities are endless. Like, I don't know. See, immediately my mind went press the button and like it like sort sort of automatically connect to a speaker somewhere else in the house that immediately play songs. Like my first one, Sweet Caroline, just to annoy people. It's like you're annoying me. Bosh, play that. Oh, you can just, you just literally do it so they're like, um, like when they come in the door, like you press the button, like like the TV comes on or something. It starts playing. Oh yeah, or do not. Yeah. I'll make it so that every time you press the button, the doorbell goes. Yeah. So it's like you press it, it's like oh, there's no one there to sit back down. No, oh, there's somebody there. I'll just keep on doing that. Yeah. Like... And you could probably like yeah, you could probably like accentuate the buttons. So you could put it some of them maybe like when they sit down, like it presses the button. And the button <laughs> yeah. Be See, awesome. it, it's like you said, it's got so many possibilities. It some really that's... has, especially in the prank world. Yeah, it really has a lot. Can either do it for something stupid or for something that can actually help people. You know, I like how it started from when Ben was like, it could really help people to turn on TVs. If you know, if something gets created, people on the internet will, you know, um, will we'll play with it in a fun way. That's all I'm gonna say. Like, it, it's just gonna happen. Uh, Martin, um, just, I mean, what would you like to see it used for? What kind of industry do you think it could be quite useful for? Um. I can definitely see for editing, um, soft like editing software like Premiere Pro. Maybe like if you click the button, like your laptop comes yes, on yes. and it starts at Premiere Pro or yeah. Photoshop. It's like a, almost like a macro. Absolutely. And as the world is getting faster, we want things quicker and quicker. This button, let's say I'm coming, uh, in, I'm in my car, I'm nearly home, thinking, oh great, I've got an update on say my Mac. Hit that, and it might do my upgrade. When I get in the door, it's done. I think yeah. stuff like that would be yeah. make things so much quicker and easier yeah i mean literally the world is the oyster with the developer that, that uses it and what they can create i mean um it'd be really cool to have them maybe um, next to your light switch like so if you've got a light switch next to, next to your bed you have like that button you press that button maybe uh, things is obviously having devices that are all connected um to a, sort of the cloud and uh, so maybe have the button where you know um we've talked in previous podcasts about um coffee machines which are connected to the internet so you press the button in the morning uh, it makes you the coffee opens the garage door ready to go maybe turns on some lights down in the you know, downstairs, if it's obviously the winter, you'd have the lights on if you're up really early. Um, so that would be really cool, I think, to have like a morning mode button you just press and it does all those things. Or just a shameless plug right now. You think, it's Tuesday, Pixel Podcast is on, <laughs> boom, button. Yeah. Start playing Pixel Podcast. <laughs> you know what we should, no, what we should really do is like an auto-subscribe button, so we just put it somewhere and like to don't touch it and then people will want to press it. So they press it and it just subscribes into Pixel Podcast. Boom. There we go. We have come up. We've Very come cheeky. up with a new business plan. There we Cheap go. Marketing I will be ordering many of those. Lucha <laughs> walked into a bar. It was tense. You're listening to the Pixel Podcast. So the first topic this week is all to do with Riot Games and their owner Tencent, which have announced a new console called the Tencent Games Platform TGP, uh, which is uh, basically a games box, and they announced it at CES Asia. The TGP box is powered by a 6th generation Intel Core processor and runs Windows 10 and a TGP box mode. When in the TGP box mode, it can download the Steam games to the console. It can run games like League of Legends, FIFA Online 3, NBA 2K Online, uh, Monster Hunter Online, Hot Pursuit Tournament. 
all of which Tencent previously helped bring to Asia by partnering with the prospective developers. It's expected to have more games from third-party developers this year. One to note is uh, Call of Duty Online, which is uh, China only at the moment, um, is also a Tencent game as well. Uh, video games industry analyst... Uh, oh, God. Zahoog X has said that it's basically a Windows 10-powered gaming console, but with smart features designed to transcend traditional gaming. It's unclear if the TG Box will come to the West, but Tencent is a major player in Asia, which is huge. Most untapped market when it comes to consoles. China lifted its ban on console gaming last year. The ban started in 2000. Uh, Tencent is an investment holding company that doesn't solely focus on games. It's most well known for the Chinese instant messenger software Tencent QQ, but it has subsidiaries in music, social media, television, and online shopping. Tencent is China's largest online gaming community. So, this is massive, obviously, for the Chinese market, and probably maybe not so interesting for us over in the West. Uh, like they said before, um, China did have a ban on consoles for a long time, which is why um, Call of Duty Online has been so massive in China, is because they've never really experienced Call of Duty, because Call of Duty was on consoles, and they weren't allowed to really play them. So, um, unless, you know, illegally, basically, was the only way. So, um... Really, really interesting, and I think this TGB box is going to be a big success over in China um, because they haven't got anything like it. But it basically is just a Windows console, which, I mean, the Steam OS box hasn't been doing that well. And I'm this is why I'm going to look to. It's not done that well because mainly Windows isn't a great experience for couches. They just aren't. Like, it's not a console experience to me. Um, you know, the PlayStation and the Xbox, they bring far better console experience, gaming experience um, in that kind of environment. Yes, you can add a controller to it, and yes, you can play this thing, but the actual operating system itself still is such tailored towards a mouse and keyboard that I think that it's still not a great experience. Um, if this thing come up, let's, let's just say this thing came to the West. Uh, Martin, how do you feel that the reception would really be? Do you agree with what I'm saying, basically? I don't know, because obviously we, we associate consoles with uh, friends coming over and stopping by. And I, d I totally get what you're saying about like Windows. It's very, when it's PC, it's like personally centered around you and that that's it. So for me, I don't know where I sort of stand on it, but I'm looking at the image here in the article. I was going to actually ask, does this come with like um, a keyboard and mouse? Because trying to play... It has a, no, it has a, it's, 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 um, it's a game box, like a console, it looks like a console and it has a controller. Oh, I was going to say... But it is, but the, the thing I'm bringing up is it does run Windows 10. It's yeah, not, I see, it's, I see they that. They haven't made their own OS um, playing on, on your couch to make it easier because um, the, the controller won't work for operating Windows. You'll still need a mouse of some sort. Once you're in um, Steam's, um, Steam's application, you can run the... Um, mode, I can't remember what it's called now, uh, full picture mode or whatever it's called, uh, which means you can use a controller to operate your Steam library and play games and stuff, but then there's a, an issue with not all games support controllers and you know, um, uh, especially indie, indie games, some indie games don't support them as well and vice versa, so I mean you're, you're kind of in, in, a, in a like a weird experience because you're on an operating system which doesn't uh, it's really support console that well, like the console platform. Well, I was going to say because, like League of Legends, I could not imagine playing League of Legends with a controller. That well, would no, be the worst. There's no worst. controller support. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So, so therefore, couldn't. yeah, there must be some sort of mouse or, or We'd keyboard. We'd have to. Yeah, you'd have Otherwise, to use USB ports to plug in a mouse. What's but then, the point? But then you're playing mouse and keyboard on a couch, which is still absolutely so well. I just put it on a desk, and then you're like, oh, I should have bought a desk. Uh, yeah, and Do I feel I mean? like it, it sort of. Sort of opening one door and then just shutting it back on itself. Like for me, they haven't really thought about it, and and I feel like I'm, I'm flagging up League of Legends um, mostly because that for me that's the big really seller for me. 
and it, it just doesn't work at the end of the day. No, I, I, I know what you're saying, and I think it's kind of a like, oh, look, here's a games console to the Chinese market to try and hope that they just buy it because it's a games console. But I, I think that they're going to look past it and go, it's basically just a PC. Um, well, I hope how so. How do you feel? Well, yeah, I was going to say, like, it feels like it's trying to bridge the gap between PCs and consoles, where they're there's not supposed to really be a, a gap anyway because it's it's basically sort of like um it's like it's trying to be the best of both worlds be the best of consoles and the best of pc but it's like when it's not really that good at either yeah. at least that's one thing with stuff like the steam box and all that it's like just they're just two different worlds a bit of both yeah no, exactly because otherwise you'll just get swamped by everything else basically i don't I'd like like you said in china it might go well because there isn't really much else out there but if it ever came here it would tank basically yeah, no I mean, I, of it. I'm waiting for like for for Sony or or Microsoft to really make. Oh, thank you, Source Network, for hosting the stream to one viewer. Thank you very much. Um, so yeah, I, I'm just waiting really for um, for Sony or Microsoft to, uh, to, to, and I think they will at some point now that this ban has been lifted, uh, to either target like a fresh console just to that market because uh, the market is absolutely enormous. So it would they would make the money out of targeting fresh one or making a version of the console they already have straight for that market maybe adapting a playstation 4 or xbox one for that market a little bit doing a little bit of modification to it maybe just making or change doing some clever marketing uh to try and really target that to that market because i think you know you saw apple trying to you know come into that market by by investing in that uber will be more um, western countries wanting to do the same thing uh do you sort of see what i'm do you agree with what, kind of what i'm saying so yeah I think, yeah i, I think, think there's so, money yeah, there yeah. to make oh yeah definitely there's there's sort there is a sort of a gap in the market there for something I, I don't think just, I don't think it. anyone's I don't yeah no I don't think anyone's found it yet. No. Definitely no, not. Definitely not. Uh, Lewis, how do you feel? Do you do you agree with what we're saying? Uh, yeah, but um I also think that it's oversaturating the market. Yeah, the console really? market. It's a bit like that um can you remember that Oya? Is it Oya console? Yeah. I think it's yeah. going to turn yeah. out like that. Cuz that that's like I okay. think that was put in like to in, entice everyone, but it didn't because the console market is already so saturated. So that just like, dropped. So, sure, yeah, sure. I mean, obviously, it is. It is towards headed towards. Obviously, it is just headed to at the moment towards the Chinese market. Um, do you think that um, maybe Microsoft, Sony are missing a, a trick by maybe not because there's no they're missing a trick with that? Yeah, I, I, to 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 be fair, I, I mm, I'm not hundred sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. It's not a problem. Um, so yeah, I think I think we've got genuinely got the gist of that and how we feel um, about um, what what Trendsetter trying to do. I understand what they're trying to do. I just don't think that this is the right thing for what they're trying to do. I think they do need to come some back with something that is either one thing or another. It's kind of a bit of both at the moment, and I think that's not going to go well. Uh, we'll see. I mean, you know, the Chinese market is a little bit of an unpredictable one at the same time. So um, the fact that it's made by that company might almost be enough for them to at least have some sort of success with it. But I guess we're going to have to wait and see. If you think patience is a virtue, try surfing the net on a 14.4K dial-up connection. You're listening to the Pixel Podcast. Okay, so this is part of the show where we do verses. Now, we're going to do a special one-off verses, uh, which has no sort of tie-in to what we've been, me and Martin have been doing verses now for... 15, 14, 15 episodes. Yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. So there's no tie in to the scoring of that. This is going to be a solely 
um, one just for this 24-hour game stream. So this is going to be quite interesting. Um, it's going to be me versus Martin as always, but we're going to have Lee and we're going to have Lewis be the judges of uh, the verses. So let's explain for any newcomers how verses work. We have a core topic, which we're going to talk about at the moment. This is uh, this week to do with the Nintendo NX and Nintendo as a whole. And then we basically flip a coin well we say what we, what side of the story we think do we agree do we disagree we then flip a coin to see whether we get our choices and then we basically have 30 seconds each to ballot out and prove and then it's up to normally you guys listening at home to decide who you think said the best argument but this week it's going to be lee and lewis who get the opportunity to uh cast their votes i don't know what we'll do if we get a tie but we'll deal with that when we come to it okay Fight to the day. Yeah, we'll come up with that when, when we can. Okay, so let's dive in and talk about what this week's versus topic is all to do with. A computer lets you make more mistakes faster than any invention in human history, with the possible exceptions of handguns and tequila. Okay, so this week's versus is all to do with what an, an article here. This is not what I'm saying. This is an article here that I picked up on. I thought brought some interesting points to talk about. The article's titled, What on Earth is Wrong with Nintendo? Let me read some of it to give you some understanding. Over the past few weeks, Nintendo, but the Nintendo NX, has been more than depressing. First, they announced that the NX will not likely see a release until March 2017. Then they said that they are basically sitting out of E3 to... Uh, to with the only focus being the latest Zelda installment, and now they are saying that there will be no Nintendo Direct at all. All that will be happening for Nintendo until March of next year is the streaming of the Zelda at the Nintendo booth at E3, which leads to the question, what the heck is going on with Nintendo? This is the article, let me repeat that, not me. To be fair, Nintendo has started, sorry, to be fair, Nintendo has stated that they will be hosting a Nintendo Treehouse Live event on Tuesday, June the 14th at 9am PST. But this event will focus on the upcoming Zelda game. Apparently, the broadcast will provide an in-depth look into the latest installment, along with behind-the-scenes info. But unless you are a massive Zelda fan, but you know, who isn't? Uh, this, uh, this announcement is kind of a letdown. After spending the last five months being hyped on the entering a mass production by the end of 2016, uh, 16's first quarter and now being told that uh, they don't plan on talking about the NX at all during last during the event is head scratching. We have gone from being completely hyped and theorizing Nintendo could possibly dominate the current generation to thinking it's all just classic Nintendo. This is just poor this is just poor PR all around for Nintendo, not because the NX is coming out later than expected, but because they have chosen to solely focus on a single game that has been delayed time and time again. The new Zelda game isn't even scheduled for release until 2017, and knowing them, it's probably a ballpark number, and the game won't be ready by the time 2017 rolls around. That's fine to take your time to work on a game, but don't limit yourselves. Nintendo has decided to limit their game's exposure at the trade show and titles such as Pokemon Sun and Moon Metroid Prime, uh, Federation Force and Kirby, Planet, Planet Robot Bot, Robot Bot, sorry, are left as nothing more than fans. So I'm not going to read any further on that. Uh, this, I think, sets a tone for quite a few um, people on how they feel. We'll get into briefly how uh, we all feel in regards to this. Um, I will start off by saying I do think there is some, some valid, validity, validity, validity in what is being said. Nintendo, as we've said previously on the podcast, myself and Martin, need to really get this one right because I felt like they didn't get the Wii right at all. Uh, it was released too late, the price was too high, and we had the Xbox One and PS4 right on the doorstep. It really did tank it didn't do that well at all it just it just absolutely didn't do as well as nintendo hoping so the nx really needed to be 
them bringing something to the table that was new, exciting, and really ticked all those boxes. But what we're seeing at the moment isn't great, and it doesn't show that they've maybe learnt much from the Wii U from what we've seen so far. So we can't judge the console itself, we don't really know much about it. But I think that's part of the issue. We're not going to go a lot about it for a long time. And I think um, some um, people in the game industry have already proved that if you ask, or if you, um, or if you, if you leave it too late anyway, um, it's going to be too close to something else coming out that people are going to care about more than that. Uh, Martin, as we discussed about similar things, and we've discussed Nintendo already on the podcast previously, um, how do you feel? Um, it's definitely got to that point where I've lost interest in Nintendo. I was I was actually really excited when the NX was launched. I was a bit like, oh, okay, this this could be the, the next big thing, you know, NX for next. It is going to be. And it was like, oh, no, but we're going to um, hold back up fire. Oh, Links. We're announcing Links. You know, guys, you like Links, remember? And I was like, you know, it's just classic Nintendo. They try and bring, like, Mario, Link, their old Nintendo friends, and they... There's no next step. There's no, here's the next big franchise. It's always, you remember this? Well, we're going to take what you used to love and try and make it better, which ultimately fails. So the thing is, I don't necessarily think it fails. I mean, I... Oh, really? Well, I'm somewhat of a Nintendo fanboy. I know. I like everything. <laughs> like, I, I did love the Wii U to death. But the thing is, like, their, their software is always good. I mean, yes, they always do the... They always do Mario and Link and... Mario Kart and all that sort of stuff, but very rarely are they bad games. I must ask you one question though. Yeah. With the Wii U, did you think it was a next gen console? Would you say it had the same prestigious as the Xbox One and the PS4? No. But then again, I always feel like Nintendo was sort of in a different. It's almost like they're in a different world. It's almost like trying Your to. Their own world, yeah. Well, in my opinion, it's always like trying to compare consoles to PCs. Okay. You, you can't really do it. Yeah, like, are consoles up to grips with PC? Not really. And I know that the Nintendo make consoles. But they always try something different, which I suppose is a problem with their hardware. It's always a, there's always a gimmick. It's like with the Wii, it was a bit undeveloped console, but it had the motion sensors, you know. Very true. With the Wii U, it was the stuff they do are great with it, and everything first party is great. I I will admit, for innovation, they get get they get an A, but mm. for selling their product and PR, I give them an F. Well, I think the software Nintendo makes is still incredible. Mm. Like I I still like every, love everything they do. It's the hardware that does let them down sometimes. Like you said, the PR. Like there's a little thing what was the other day about the NX that they might use cartridges. Yes, you said and that. And I thought like, well, welcome to 1999, you know. And, and <laughs> we're in this new gen. You need to appeal to the next generation. If they're selling cartridges, I'm sorry. But the thing That's is, though, it, I don't know. Like I, I, I always feel like Nintendo is one step behind when it comes to the tech, but one the, step the, in the, your the, heart. the quality. <laughs> Well, I think it is. There's the quality and the charm that Nintendo still have that I don't think I think everything else lacks. They just need to get in the third-party stuff and need to sort of start game with the times, you know, <laughs> a little bit. The thing is that the thing is that it's it's a sort of situation where I don't think I can really justify why I like them so much. Fair I love right. all their games. I love everything. I've I've owned every console, but you know I can understand why people think they're a bit behind and should stop. <laughs> basically. But, you know. Sorry about that, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Went off on a bit of a tangent. No, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. Um, so, I had something you guys get, and we don't want to talk about it too much, because obviously um, that is what Verse is going to be about. Um, but, Lewis, go on, tell us what. How do you feel? Uh, I'm not a big fan of Nintendo, to be fair. But, um, they're just very... 
you think delaying it has been a, a bad a bad decision and not talking about it in E3 and, and sort of like being really quiet about it? Do you think that's a yeah, bad it's a very bad thing, I think. I think they really need to, yeah, step their what game What was your up. last console? Sorry, what was your last uh, Nintendo console? Or have you ever actually owned a Nintendo console? Uh, I used to play... Um, well, I did used to have a Nintendo console. I used to have a 3DS in when I was at college. All my friends just like, oh yeah, I could play this. And then I got bored of it. I sold it and bought a Vita. Ah. The games are well made, but I don't know. I just got really bored of it. There's some good games, but then there's some games that are questionable. Hmm. No, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I agree with you saying this completely. So it, this is now where it comes down to versus. But I think I, I mean you might be on the same side, kind of. I think we, I think we're you on know, the same side of the fence here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, do you know what? I will throw myself in the deep end. I will let you have. The side that Nintendo. Right, this is the question. Let's, let's get to the question. Let's be a bit more organised in this. The question that we're asking is: Will the NX be a success, success for Nintendo, or 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 will it be a failure? Will the NX be a success for Nintendo, or are they showing worrying signs? So you're going to say something showing worrying signs, and I'll say it'd be a success. I want to do the way around. Do you want it? No, no, I don't. Sure, <laughs> it's, it's I'll switch. I don't times. really want that. I'll if we get that. Uh, so we're going to decide by the coin flip. That's how we do it. Okay. Whether we get these uh, pre-decided ones. I'll go for tails. You get heads. Okay. Yeah. That's sure. Fair. Cool. So we do this by the very scientific way of Siri. So let's let's do this. Heads or tails? Tails. That was everyone heard that. Yes. Tails. Biggest of heads, mate. So tails. So that <laughs> means that I get to switch now. Nah, it doesn't. Yeah, it does. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So I'm gonna switch. So Martin now gets that it's going to be a success, and I get it's worrying signs. I'll go first, okay? We're gonna do this. Ooh, Ooh I'll, nice. I'll be nice, and I'll go first. Ooh. Okay then. Okay, in three, two, one, go. Okay, so the reason I think that it's worrying times for Nintendo is that when you announce any console, you've got to be really hot with it. You've got to advertise it, you've got to let people know about it. And if they're already not wanting to talk about it, then that's not going to be good at all. Why Why delay? Why Why talk about that? They've had Wii problems, and I think this is going to be repeated again. People need to know about it. People need to get excited. People weren't so excited when The Division came out because it got delayed so many times. Loads of games have been like, and that's all I have to say. <laughs> Bit of time extra. Why not? I'm I'm generous guy. I'm generous guy. Thank you. Give me more time to think. Cool. So. What was that? Thirty seconds. Yes, thirty seconds. Thirty seconds. That's quick, isn't it? Yeah. He does. Okay. So, uh, Lewis, uh, Lee, you heard that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You got that? <laughs> good. Martin, uh, let me. Your... So I'm saying it's pretty much a good re reason why they're holding back. Cool. You're saying that, no, you're saying the annex is going to be a success, basically. It is. Cool. Well, <laughs> Martin, are you ready? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. In three, two, one, go. Of course it's going to be a success. Let's have a look at the Wii when it first came out. The Wii had skyrocketing records of buying of people buying the console. As well as in, when the Wii U came out, it's going to be the same again with the NX. We have a loyal fan base. That's who they target. And like I said, they they fight, they strike with uh, innovative, innovative uh, accessories like the Wii Motion. And I can see with the NX, they're going to put that neck step up against the PS4 and Xbox One. I couldn't say that word. So I was like, 
It's going past. <laughs> going past that there word. Go, Martin, I think, I honestly, if it was me judging, I would say that you've got that. I, 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 when it came to it, I just screwed you up hear on that. something. So, uh... That's confirmation of win. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no I, will give, I will give... I will give some 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 time. Uh, do, do you, do, Lewis, uh, Lee, do you want to confer, or uh, we can take our headphones off and you go? Oh, I can hear you. Well, you can hear me. I can't hear you. Yeah, it doesn't really uh, work. Well, I I think I already know who I think. Okay, that's fine. Um, Lewis, do you know? Do you, do you think you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Lewis, if you just let us know, um, first of all, go through maybe each of our arguments and say maybe what you liked about both of them, uh, what you didn't like, and then come to uh, uh, an answer for who gave the best argument. Um. Well, I'm probably going to be on your side because I don't really like Nintendo that much, so... <laughs> Straight away. <laughs> okay, I know that okay. sounds biased, but I, I don't think... I think you made some good points about, like, how they how they don't market their things very well. And they're doing it... Yeah. Well, not the traditional method. Okay. Very true. So, Lee, um, if you want to go through maybe what you liked about both of ours and then work your way uh, with some tension building to uh, picking the person. Ooh, the tension building, I like it. Oh, I, 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 can, I can do some tension. Actually, here we go. What Lee didn't like about it. could not speak. No, but with, with yours, Ben, um, I like the, it was, it's true the point you make. It's like a lot of the time there's delays and everything and that does really stunt a growth, be it of a software or a hardware. But at the same time, you did only make the one point that was the thing that he did stutter and everything. With Martins, it's like, it's true. The Wii was incredible. Like, the Wii is, like you said, still the most, well, one of the best-selling consoles other than, I think, second of the PlayStation 2 or something similar yeah. to that. Oh. oh, I've run out of time, I'm producing. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, which is true, but at the same time, you know, you, you just missed a console generation. It's like, yeah, yeah. the Wii done really well, but the, the Wii U didn't. So, surely, if the Wii sold well because of the loyal fans, then the Wii U would have as well. So, that Very doesn't true. make a point. But, bias aside, the person who made the best argument, I think, was Ben. Yes! Fair enough. So, yes. Thank you, thank you guys. He made one point, but it was enough. And with that... Apologies. I did say about the Wii U, but it's fine. You didn't. <laughs> I did. Yeah, only for a slight second, though. Didn't miss it. <laughs> a clean house is a sign of a broken computer. Pixel Podcast. And with that, we wrap up this week's Pixel Podcast. I want to start by thanking Lewis so much for joining us on this episode. I really appreciate him uh, getting involved. Don't forget to check out his game, Three Days, on the Steam Store. We'll be playing that later on in the 24-hour game stream. And everyone, like I said, donate. We'll get a copy of that as well. Lewis, have you enjoyed being a part of it? Yeah, thank you for letting me join in. It's been an absolute <laughs> pleasure. And maybe we'll hope to have you on at some point in the future as well. So thank you so much. Awesome. <laughs> Lee. Hello. Have you enjoyed being part of the podcast? It's nice to have a group of people that you could talk about all this sort of tech-related news because nobody else really talks about it, do they? No, no that's, why we, that's why we get together. We, we do genuinely enjoy it's it. It's the niche in the market. Exactly. Picked it out, boys. <laughs> so, thank you very much, Lee, for joining us. Thank you. And hopefully get you on again soon. And, of course, my loyal co-host, Martin. How do you feel about the, the defeat? I thought you were going to say, how do you feel about podcasts? Wow. <laughs> I've been coming back every time. Um... I understand where both of them come from, and I knew it was going to be a bit of a mountain to climb. Um, and back to Lee, yeah, we found that niche in the market. Thank you for noticing. High five. 
And on that note, thank you so much for listening this week. Don't forget you can check out further information on the articles we discussed on abruptaudio.com forward slash pixel. If you're on the Apple or iOS side of the platforms, you can check us out on iTunes and the podcast app for iOS. If you're an Android user, you can find us on the Stitcher app. And don't forget to check us out on Twitter as well. You can get involved with the conversation at Pixel Podcast. And with that, thank you for listening next week on the same channel. Don't touch that doll. You've been listening to the Pixel Podcast. Thank you and good night. Or as they say in gamer speak, G-G-N-O-R-E. And this is the bit where we talk crap for about for another few minutes. Oh, it's that incentive. For, Why yeah. did you let Ben win? Because <laughs> he made more points. Well, not, he, didn't, he only made the one he he made made the one point. Yeah, but you, you made one point. Yeah. <laughs> you made the one point as well, though. Yeah. You only made the one point, and also it was a bit... I made sales, and I said they were... In, I can't even <laughs> say the word, but yeah. Yeah, sales of the, sales of the Wii, though. It was good. Yeah, what was the Wii U like? All right. So what, so what makes you think that NX is going to sell well, then? It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Well, I've, honestly, I agree with you. <laughs> I want the NX to be great because I love Nintendo, but... Cool. Like, we know Ben bribed you. <laughs> Okay, so let's end the recording. Mm.